It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Dan here. Thanks for downloading this episode. Many thanks to our listeners who are financially supporting the podcast over at patreon.com slash inthekeyofq. You are genuinely helping to keep the series in production and more importantly, to give a space for queer voices to be heard. This week's guest discusses how one tiny guitar led him to becoming an award-winning singer-songwriter. He talks about being one of the first trans youths to come out on American national television and how his faith has been an integral part of the love he feels both to the outside world and most importantly to himself. Share your thoughts about today's episode on social media using the hashtag queer music or email me direct on podcast at inthekeyofq.com. And if you've a moment, please do subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast provider. All that's left to say is enjoy the episode. Why would you choose hate over love? It's so much easier to be kind and to love people. So why wouldn't you just choose that? Hello, I'm Dan Hall. When I grew up, I almost never heard pop songs where men sang about other men and it made me feel invisible. There were the occasional queer heroes like Jimmy Somerville, Mark Almond and Andy Bell, but they were thin on the ground. But these days there are plenty of songs where I can find my queer identity and this podcast is all about finding and sharing this music and speaking with the musicians who create it. Music helps us feel connected, feel heard and know that we are not alone on our queer journey. You're listening to In The Key Of Q. This week's guest is an award-winning singer-songwriter and LGBTQ activist. He started his career early at 13 and has been featured in Grammy.com, Rolling Stone, Billboard, and the New York Times. He was the first ever recipient of the Harvey Milk Memorial Award and has been recognized by the United States Congress. I've been enjoying this year his 2021 album, Magic Miracle Mile, including the songs Starfuckers and Loner Boy. It is my great pleasure to welcome to the show, Ryan Casata. Ryan, hello. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on. Ten years ago, I cut my hair and I changed my name as people stared. And I went on TV and I so did declare that this is who I am for anyone that cares. My name is Ryan Casada. I am based in Los Angeles. I'm originally from New York, and I started playing music when I was six years old and have always been very passionate about it. And I 
write in all different genres. Um, I say like my songs are an extension of my soul. And I really mean that because they're very personal and I don't really hold back in my lyrics at all. My older brother was playing guitar, uh, kind of, he wasn't really playing it. It was mostly just like sitting on the guitar stand in the corner of the room. And I just kept looking at it and I was like, oh, I want to play, I want to play. And I don't know what it was, but something inside of me was really just telling me like, you know, you, you need to play guitar. I had to beg my parents cause they said, they kept saying I was too young and too small to be able to play guitar. And eventually the music teacher from my elementary school actually built me a really small guitar. Cause I was a really tiny kid and my mom got me guitar lessons and at, at 12 is when I started writing songs. So the guitar, when I started writing songs, I actually started writing songs on piano. Um, but the instruments kind of just were like the vehicle to be able to get the songs to come out of my mouth, you know, to be able to write songs. From a lot of the artists I've spoken to, what pushed them into music was they felt that music gave them a communication space and a means of expressing themselves that they just felt normal life, so to speak, didn't grant them. It did give me an outlet. Like I was always a very different kid. I always felt like outcasted and different and I felt different from my peers. And I would say that playing guitar it it was like an expression, you know, and at first it was an expression and it still is definitely still is. But like, I'm lucky that I found that so young because it, it was like a very positive outlet outlet for me. I booked my first tour when I was 15 and my mom drove me because I didn't have a license. And, you know, my parents came to the shows. My parents never booked a show for me. They never did anything like that. I always did everything myself, but they would drive me because I wouldn't be able to get in if they weren't there. When I was 15, I just wanted to lock myself in my bedroom and listen to music uh, like The Cure and, and, and sort of close myself off from the world because, of course, the world didn't understand me. And, you know, there's a, there's a sense of, the, of when one is 15 that you just sort of feel you feel out of place in your body, you feel out of place in the world and everything. The only place of safety is just to lock yourself away in your room. What on earth was it that made you as a 15-year-old want to do the absolute opposite? Yeah, I mean, it's not really that I wanted to do the opposite, but when I was 15, I, I, w I was uh, doing a lot of activism work already with the LGBT center in my hometown. And I, I got called to go on the Larry King live show and talk about being trans. And that was when I like came out to everyone I knew at once. I was probably, if not the first, one of the first transgender male youth on television. So I, I, you know, I was, underage, I was under 18 and it was international television. And I was talking about being trans openly. So it was a lot, you know, it was, it was, um, it's scary to come out, but it's scary to come out on, on a global platform. Like, so at that point, like that was it that, you know, that changed my life overnight. Like now, you know, the whole world was watching and 
it, once I was like out, I was out, you know? And I was like, okay, there's no going back. So like, I'm just gonna do this thing. When I realized that I was queer, I pretty much came out right away. And I I did think like, oh, maybe something's wrong with me. But I was also like, eh, if I'm, this is who I am. I just want to be out. I don't want to be in the closet. And I, I came out when I was 12. And then my friends, uh, I didn't, re- I didn't really have that many friends like in middle school, but I was getting bullied so much from coming out that my school guidance counselor told me about the LGBT center. So I got sent to the LGBT center and they had a lot of like awesome youth programming there, Friday night dance, a movie night, the safe schools team, which trained us on how to speak a lot of things. Um, great, really great programming, especially for like, you know, before 2010, like that's pretty remarkable for them to have all of that accessible to us. So um, I made a lot of friends there that were like me and were queer and everyone was cool with it. So that became like my safe haven, really the LGBT center. And then, um, yeah, I just, I joined that team and I started speaking at schools and it was, it, it all happened like pretty quickly. Um, but I don't know. I just realized like, Hey, it, it feels really good to help other people, especially people that are like going through a similar thing. Cause you know what that struggle is like. So being able to communicate with them and talk to them and share some like message of hope that like things are going to be okay. is like, it just feels really rewarding. Well, something Ryan that I noticed in my experience, and I'm not saying this is a universal truth. This is simply my truth is what I've experienced is there's a lot of gay men that I have socialized with who come out of the closet and and go through their journey and have lovers and then eventually have partners and then when their lives settle down they very much pull up the ladder and stop supporting other people and instead all they do is they sit around and talk about how expensive their furniture is um what what stopped you doing that what stopped you simply going right it's fine for me now so i'm gonna just stride forward in my life and instead it sounds like what you're doing is you're spending a lot of your time turning back and holding your hand out to other people i think because for me it's not fine until it's fine for everyone and i don't know if that will happen in my lifetime but there's still lgbt youth that are getting kicked out by their parents because they're homophobic or transphobic and they're still people that are getting bullied in school and there's still people that are struggling to find the right words to describe themselves. And it's like, I, I'm in this like 100%. And just because like, it's like, all right for me. And I've, and I got my top surgery and I have a career, like, it doesn't mean that it's okay for other people yet. And I feel like I can use my voice and my privilege and my experience to be able to help other people like then why like then why shouldn't i you know so i like refuse to retreat basically 
Um, and I, and I want to help as many people as I can because I have the ability to. I don't I don't understand how homophobia could be part of Christianity, you know? It's it's just so interesting like how that happened and I'm in school learning about it and I'm I'm in school trying to educate myself so that I could be that I could like change things for people like I could be like hey like no um Jesus Christ who, you know, I would say is, is someone that would accept you that would welcome everyone. And I want to spread that message. So I've been in school learning about it more and trying to, I have a lot to learn and, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And I just see like a lot of these people claiming to be Christians, but they're not following Christ and like Jesus Christ, the man who like I see as an activist, I see as a guy who hung out with the the people that, you know, are outcasted, you know, and, and did that lovingly and openly and made space for everyone. So like there's the damage that the institution of the Catholic church and Christianity has done to queer people. Um, and I want to like untangle that and provide some hope for people and provide some healing. So if you're a Christian, then make space for everyone. And we can't, we can't turn our backs on people, on our fellow humans, because that's not what Jesus would have done. Well, Ryan, religion comes for, comes under a lot of attack on this podcast from my guests. And I have a complex relationship with religion because I grew up in an agnostic household. Um, and I'm quite a grumpy and argumentative political person who who likes to disapprove of things and religion is something which i have a strong problem with all religions they generally tend to be in my opinion or my knowledge i should say quite shitty to gay people and yet i see people like my dear friend jill who has been a friend since college for over three decades and she is a person of faith and she just oozes love and mm -hmm. she says to me that is what faith is that is what yeah. religion is. It first means for me to be of service to people and to help people. I think, I think my calling here and my purpose in this life is to be of service to other people. And my music has provided me with a platform to do that. My activism work, my speaking, even, you know, being in movies. And it's, it's like, I think, you know, we are here to help each other and be kind to each other. And that's like the, that's my foundation. Um, and for me, like my relationship with God is it's complex, like to outsiders because I am trans, but for me, it's, it's simple. Like I, I feel 
that there is a, a higher being who I call God. And I say, you could call, if you believe in, in whatever, that's cool. And you can call that whatever you want, you know? Um, but I feel like that's what keeps me sober and keeps me going and, and provides me with the strength to keep doing this and, and reminds me of my purpose to help other people and redirects me back to that when I feel lost or I feel like I get off the path, you know, um, because there are many times where I feel like I'm drifting and, and that's normal. That's normal for all humans. Right. But I feel like faith is what brings me back and, and calms me. And, um, so, you know, I, I have like my, my rituals where I pray, I meditate, I do all of that. Um, and I just do what works for me. And I try to speak about God in a way that is inclusive because I like, I believe what I believe, but it's totally okay for anyone else to believe what they believe as long as it's rooted in love. Um, and we have to make space for everyone to have their, their own practices and, and develop their own, um, their own perception of what their spirituality is to them. These clowns are circling me. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I see that now. You need a time out. You put me in the wrong place. Wipe those tears from your face. You disappeared. You put me here. You wanted fear. Fuck, I'm so empty, and you've got plenty. This is a haunted house, and we play cat and mouse. I want a wife and spouse, you know what I'm about. Fuck, this is a haunted house. I struggled throughout my teenage years um, and with, with drugs and alcohol and I just really like was finding an escape in it, which is definitely an unhealthy escape. Um, and by the time I was like 19, it was definitely like drugs and alcohol were interfering in my life in a negative way where I wasn't as productive and I wasn't as driven and I wasn't like focused on my career in music anymore. And I was, you know, ruining relationships and just feeling like awful all the time. So my friends helped me to get sober, basically like they had like a little intervention and they helped me to get sober. And that was seven years ago and I've been sober ever since. And um, in my sobriety is how I rediscovered God and realized like, oh, I could have a God that makes sense to me, for me. And that God loves me and loves that I'm queer. Not just, not, not only is God okay with me being queer or doesn't mind me being queer. God loves that I am. God loves that I am myself. And like, I was able to realize like, that's what spirituality should be. So my sobriety led me to this place. And I would say, you know, I'm, I'm a better friend and I'm more driven and I'm more dedicated. And I have a lot more time to work on the things that I want to work on. And now I have the space to do self-care in a way that's productive and to deal with issues that come up in a way that's positive and not 
hurting myself or anyone else around me. A moment that really immediately pops into my head was when I was younger, I was a teenager, and I was in the car with my friend Fran, and my friend Matt and I were in the back seat, and we were we were going to a party, and we were listening to the radio, and Bohemian Rhapsody came on the radio, and we just started singing and we were like parked in the driveway and we were just like singing at the top of our lungs and switching off doing the parts. And it was like, we planned it out. It was, it was such a magical moment and so much fun. pain and turmoil drives us and we're like oh we need I need relief I need relief and it's like oh okay I could write a song and I could feel relief and I could express it and then like for me like when I'm going through like a heartbreak and I write a song about my particular heartbreak that I'm feeling I just want to listen to that song over and over again because I directly relate to it and like you know and I could hear it and be like oh okay like I'm not alone. And it's interesting because it's like my song, but like it's what I relate to the most because it's my story, you know? So often we are led to think that our opinions on things aren't valid or that if we are, if we take pride in our opinion on something, then somehow there's an arrogance in that. But actually, if we want other people to hear our voices, then we should be confident in them because we're effectively saying to people, can you give up some of your time to hear me? And if we don't believe in our voices. Why should other people? Yeah, true. And I think I think a lot of that too is like manifesting. Like you have to believe in yourself to have success, you know? Like, I don't know. I just, I think like you have to think that your music is good on some level. I mean, for me, I'm always questioning it. I'm like, oh, does this suck? Do I only think this is good? But like, there's moments where I'm like, damn, this is awesome. And I can't wait for people to hear it. I can't wait to share this with other people. I I won an, an ASCAP Foundation Award from Paul Williams. And who's, you know, a legendary songwriter. So my song Jupiter won. And I found out in October and in December... I went to New York to accept the award and perform at Jazz at Lincoln Center. And like, I had no idea what I was in for. So I went with my electric guitar and played my song. And there was so much anticipation and mostly because um, I was sitting next to another um, ASCAP award winner. And we were, we were, um, we were just like, oh, wow. Like, Jason Mraz and Natalie Merchant are in the front row (laughs) and they are gonna watch us perform. Like we were like kind of freaking out. They loved it. I got to meet both of them after received my award. Um, And then Natalie, Natalie Merchant performed and she played my favorite song of hers and everyone only played one song each and she played wonder And I was just like, wow, this is so amazing. Like, 
out of every song she could have picked, she 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 put, is playing my my favorite song of hers. So it was just like 100% magical, really magical night that I will never forget. <laughs> trans politics is is quite a hot topic at the moment mm-hmm. now my immediate reaction when when i'm asked about this is it doesn't affect me so i have no right to have an opinion mm. because except to be supportive because yeah. i'm curious to know what how you feel about people who are not affected by you who are not affected by trans rights are somehow given space to have an opinion on it. It's, um, (laughs) it sucks, honestly. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why people are like, oh, let me go out of my way to hate on a really marginalized community that like really needs everyone's love, you know? So to me, it's so hard to wrap my mind around that. And I just, I just think like, how about instead of just like attacking, you listen and you, and you, you learn like what we're going through and what the struggle is so that you could help and be empathetic and stand in solidarity with us. You know, this podcast is a platform for your voice to be heard and for you to have a space to absolutely say what you want to say. And you can say fuck or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i'll say it for you (laughs) but okay (laughs) bearing bearing that in mind what would you like to say it's your stage and your platform and you can say what you want what do you want to say i want to say i guess to those people that are are choosing to to remain in ignorance because at a certain point ignorance becomes a choice i want to say why would you choose hate over love? It's so much easier to be kind and to love people. So why wouldn't you just choose that? So I I want people to to think about that and and walk through life like that when you feel yourself judging or leaning in the direction of hate, like bring yourself back to love and kindness because everyone deserves that and we all need it. One of the last questions I'd like to ask you is, what queer artists are you listening to? The artists I want to shout out because we are, we're collaborating together and we're, we're collaborating together because I asked him to be part of my music because I believe in him so much and I believe in his artistic ability and his talent is Zan, the artist. He is from Oklahoma and he's also trans and he's on Spotify and all streaming platforms. But I want to shout, I want to shout him out because he's just, he's brilliant and he's just an all around great person too. They call us outlaws, claim we're unholy, godless love, say something good. 
that's what queer love means I'm an outlaw indeed I'd rather be a rebel for romance Than please your beliefs Scars on my chest We shave our heads Scars on my chest We shave our What do you think your 15-year-old self would think of you and think of the the man that you are? I think I I wouldn't believe it, you know, and I, I still like don't believe it. Like I feel like I have such an amazing life and I've accomplished so much and I've been able to live my dreams and accomplish many of my dreams, you know, and I, I remember when I won that award my mom and my my family, we went out to dinner after and I was about to turn 26. I was, I was still 25. And I, I told my mom, I said, mom, I'm 25 and all my dreams came true. Oh, that's wonderful. And she said, well, now dream bigger. And, you know, so like 10 years later, that's 10 years after 15, 10 years after Larry King and I accomplished so much and I've had so much joy in my life, which is just such a blessing. So, I mean, to LGBT youth that are out there that are 15 or around that age and are struggling, like this could happen for you too. Like it's very, very possible and you can live your dreams and you can have happiness in your life. For those of our audience listening to this who are now intrigued and enticed by you and want nothing more than to learn more about you and to connect with you, where can people find you? You can find me at ryancasada.com and you can find me on all social media. My username is at Ryan Casada, R Y A N C A S S A T A. And on Twitter, it's R R O Casada Music. Wonderful. Now, Ryan, we've reached the end of our episode and people have heard your story and they've heard snippets of your music, and uh, they are now, no doubt, absolutely desperate to get fully seduced into your back catalogue. Mm-hmm. And as Thank our, closing, <laughs> as our mm-hmm. closing title music, we're going to play one of your songs, and it'll be one of your songs that probably is the best one to properly entice people into your back catalogue, a proper gateway track. So what would you recommend that would be and why? A gateway track to introduce them? Well, I would say Daughter. That's the first introduction. Everyone just finds that song first. But for my new music, I yeah, I mean, I always want to point people to listening to what's new. 
Fantastic. And so which of your new tracks do you think people should listen to? I would say dive into Starfuckers and the rest of the album Magic Miracle Mile. Starfuckers, I know who you are. You want the coin and cloud and cards. Starfuckers, I know who you with. I need a queen, baby, ain't no basic bitch. Oh shit, you're the guy that sings. Congrats on this. How's your tour been? I think I see you in Billboard with your plaques and awards. Hey man, I knew you when. I think music is such a wonderful gift to give people, partly because it allows those of us who are listening to your music to be vulnerable and be in vulnerable spaces. So thank you mm -hmm. so much for guesting on the show. Thank you. Psychedelics, designer drugs, gold chains on their necks and smoke in their lungs, none of them watching where they sleep. Many thanks for listening to this episode with Brian Casata. And remember to listen to him on the usual streaming platforms. And remember, there's exclusive content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. There you can join other listeners by supporting the show's production costs for as little as five US dollars a month. Tell me what you thought about today's episode with Ryan, the pods on social media at in the key of Q, or email me direct on podcast at in the key of Q.com. And rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really helps. Our theme is by Paul E. Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com and our publicist is Paul Smith at paulwsmith at gmail.com. Many thanks to Kajan Kantha and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. The show is presented and produced by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. Fuckers, I know who you are.